0: Amen. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15 through 16. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may eat freely, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in that day you eat of it, you will surely die. And then Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. So when the woman saw the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eye, and, a tr- uh, and a, the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate it, and she also gave it to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then after, God, after that, God was walking through the garden, and he asked Adam, What happened, bro? <laughs> Because you know the funny thing is is like God already knows. Like God's never asking a question that he doesn't have an answer for. So he was like, "Adam, what what happened?" And Adam blamed the woman. And then the woman blamed the snake. But who did God give the command to in the first place? To Adam. This is the original sin. When death entered the world, everything is Adam's fault. Now, you may be the person who's like, thanks, Trump. Or you may be like, thanks, Obama. But we're all like, thanks, Adam. But it's easy to throw Adam under the bus considering his actions, right? Super easy. It's always good to have someone to place blame on, right? Right. I mean, Adam violated all the manhood principles with a cascading effect. Because how many of you know that sin leads to other sin? Yes. It, it just like will grow exponentially if you let it. So pop quiz, men. Are you ready? The Bible says be in season, be, in, be ready in season and out of season. Although I'm using that verse out of context, I still want you to be ready to answer some manhood questions. What are the manhood principles as defined by God? Boom! Number one right there. Accept responsibility. Reject passivity. Accept responsibility. Oh, my gosh. my, My heart is just full. Like, my heart is full right now. Reject passivity, lead courageously, I mean, uh, uh, reject passivity, accept responsibility, lead courageously, and expect a greater reward. You guys did me proud. Like, I seriously considered calling a few people and just saying, I'm going to say this tonight, so I want you to be ready. But I didn't. And you showed me what was up. Okay. Extra credit. What's a man's responsibilities? A work to do, a woman to love and a will to obey. You guys have been listening. Women, this is what your men have been learning when they come to man up and when they come to the men's advance. Did you hear that? A definition for manhood. They just spat it right out like it's just been right in their hearts the whole time. Like the coin was in their hand right now. Exactly. But Adam first stood passively by while the serpent deceived his wife and got her to do the one thing God told Adam he shouldn't do. The Bible says he was there with her. So as the serpent's deceiving his wife, he's just standing there. Passive, man. We can't do that. Adam then hid from God in the bushes like a coward. And when God called him out, he failed to accept responsibility. Instead, he blamed it all on his wife. Men, don't blame stuff on your wife. He chose the immediate perceived pleasure of the apple, foregoing the great reward God had planned for them in the garden, thus condemning all of mankind to toil, struggle, and death. Thanks, Adam. Well, it's easy to say it's Adam's fault when we want to blame someone, for someone else for our sins, right? Because ironically, that would cause us to do the very thing we're condemning him for, which is not take responsibility. Right. (laughs) It's good Consider your own actions Is what I'm saying Consider your own actions Being passive in your life Blaming your spouse Instant gratification Consider the way you live your life right now Because we all know the story of what Adam did But I want you to recognize the story Of what you're doing And women you're included in this too Like, I'm not saying that it was Eve's fault, so now it's your fault. I'm saying you're part of humankind too, so you have your own junk that you need to sort out. You need to stop blaming other people and start accepting responsibility for your own sin in your own life. We all need to start doing that. Sin entered the world through Adam, but we are accountable for our own sins. If you don't accept and recognize your own sin, you can never truly, an accept, re, never truly accept or understand your need for a Savior. Do you realize that's like the foundational principle of salvation? Is that first you have to recognize that you're a sinner who needs a Savior. And if you're constantly blaming everybody else, Adam or Trump or Obama, for whatever's going wrong in your life, then you're not accepting responsibility. And how can you ever come to the point in recognizing that Jesus needs to be your Savior if you don't see that you're on your way to death. Romans chapter 12, verse 3 says, for I, say, through the, for I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. The reality is that if you were Adam and Eve, you would eventually have done the same thing. And if you don't think that's true, then you have some sin in your heart that you still need to deal with. We do this all the time. We always point at somebody else and point out their faults without recognizing the fact that if we were in the same situation, it's likely we would have done the same thing. Our only hope is Jesus. Through one man's sin entered the world, through one man's sin is defeated, Amen? amen? Let's get into our verses. Romans chapter 5, verse 12 through 21. Romans chapter 5, verse 12 through 21 says this. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam. Which means that sin reigned over everybody, even if you didn't do the exact same thing that Adam did. So there's, again, we like to say, like, well, I didn't do as bad as they did. But the Bible's saying is it doesn't matter what sin you did, even if it wasn't the same sin as Adam's sins reigning in your life. Who is a type of him who was, was to come. But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by the one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For the judgment which came from the one offense resulted in condemnation... But the free gift, which came from many offenses, resulted in justification. So the free gift of um, salvation uh, through grace through Jesus Christ came from many offenses. You see what he's saying? He's saying there was so much sin in the world that we couldn't deal with in any other way. Jesus Christ came, and that gift of grace and salvation comes through that, through many offenses. For it is by the one man's offense death reigned through through the one, much more those who received abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Verse 18, Therefore, as though one man's offense judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abound, grace abound much more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so, grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. First thing I want to talk about, is Adam versus Jesus, which is really flesh versus spirit. So this is, all, this is all just setting up the difference between where we stand, with Christ or without Christ, because uh, of Adam and because of Jesus. So the, the Bible describes these two men, talk about Adam as the first Adam and Jesus as the second Adam or the last Adam. So now, the word Adam is both the name of the original man, duh, and also the Hebrew word for human or mankind. So, it's interesting, I mean, the etymology of the word, obviously the first man has now become the word for man or mankind in the Hebrew. So, we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 45 through 47, and so it was written, the first man Adam became a living being, the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, and afterward, the spiritual. The first man was of the earth, made of dust. The second man is of the Lord from heaven. So let's compare and contrast these two people. And men, it, what's interesting, and I, I talked to the men about too, is that these are a great example for men to think about where they stand and how they're living their lives. Because Adam was the first man. And Jesus is the last man. Adam was born of the flesh. Jesus is born of the spirit. But women, like I said, we're talking about humankind. So you have your own stuff that you need to be. The whole point of when I come up here and I talk and I use these examples is the, the, the value isn't an entertainment value. The value is, and why I use these stories and everything else, is to draw you into making connections between where you are in your life, what the Bible is saying, and how the Bible should change your life so you could leave here to do something different. That's what that's the goal. That's like all the hours of preparation is spent for that purpose. So follow along on the journey. Adam, the first man, the father of our flesh, this is our natural firstborn state of existence. This is who we are naturally. Now, uh, it, what's interesting about, you know, some people don't like the word science and they think that, that science and religion are opposites. It's really not. Science is, the natural sciences is the discovery of how things work, but God created things. So really, science is just the discovery of what God created and how that works in our lives, right? So it's, it's not some kind of contradiction, it's not some kind of complicated thing. So now, the way humans are created, actually, most animals, if not all animals, are created for three purposes. This is the three things that they focus on all the time for survival food, sex, and energy conservation. You gotta eat, right? Eat, you grow the body, it gives you energy. You gotta procreate, otherwise, whatever animal or species you are is gonna die. And to conserve energy. Why? Why would you want to waste energy? I mean, look at like cheetahs and stuff. They don't got a lot of energy to waste. They're skinny, first of all. And then they got to chase down animals. Takes a lot of energy. They miss one time. I mean, it's over, right? Did you guys know that? Like they may only be successful like one in five times. But if they miss too many times, they won't have enough energy to go catch an animal. And and so they're over, right? Right. So energy conservation is huge. Now, what's interesting about humans and our existence is we have like dialed the system in so much that none of these things are really needs as much as just the excesses of our culture. Our entire culture is focused on these things. Like any uh, advertising jingle you've heard is all focused on you deserve it. You need it. You can't live without it. You deserve a break today. Every advertising is geared at getting you to either eat food, want to buy their product because of sex somehow. Any product can be sold this way. And then the other thing is uh, some kind of gadget or item or vacation that gives you the ability to do less and less. Yep. As little as possible. Convenience. Convenience technology, even Amazon. Why do you think Amazon is like the like, richest thing in the entire world? Because you want to sit home and order stuff delivered to your door. I love it. I don't even want to go to the store anymore. I just don't. I'm surprised Amazon doesn't deliver pizzas too. Pretty soon they'll deliver everything. Like that movie Demolition Man, but instead of Taco Bell, it'll be Amazon. <clears throat> Adam the Roman 7 man nothing good lives in me i want to do what is good but i don't i don't want to do what is wrong but i do it anyway i really want to obey god's law but because of my sinful nature i'm a slave to sin that's adam that's our natural state of being you're welcome Then we have Jesus. Jesus was 100% man and 100% God at the same time. So men, if you're looking for an excuse of why you uh, failed or why you couldn't do something, whatever, recognize that Jesus was uh, never sinned. He lived the perfect life, but he was also 100% man at the same time. So the bar set pretty high. This is our example of what it would look like to be born again in the life of the Spirit. Salvation through faith by grace. The Holy Spirit dwelling in us. The power over sin and death. That's the example of Jesus. The first Adam and the second Adam. Romans chapter 8 verses 1 through 2. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. What Adam brought into the world, Jesus came to change and recover. Amen. He came to reconcile that so you could have eternal life. Now, Adam neglected all of his responsibilities. He failed to do the work that he, God gave him to do. He didn't obey God's will. He allowed corruption in the garden. He ate the forbidden fruit. He failed the woman to, that he was supposed to love by not protecting her from the serpent and blaming her for everything that happened. Now, Jesus fulfilled all his responsibilities, his work to do. Luke chapter 19, verse 10. The Son of Man came to seek and save those who were lost. What can you do? You, God has given you gifts and abilities, and he's called you to serve, use them to serve the kingdom. So get to work. You can do things. You can do something. The whole funny thing about, to me, that uh, the Bible says that the man who does not work does not eat. Somehow we filter that through our 9 to 5, 40-hour work week kind of concept of work. Like that's not. Think about anything that you do to serve others to create something is work. So you can do something, and guess what? Church is a perfect place for whatever your skills and abilities are to put them to work to serve others and serve the kingdom. Yeah. Everybody can. Do you guys remember Kevin Berg? Yeah, yeah they're in Hawaii now. Must be nice. Yeah. <laughs> I always like to use Kevin Berg as the example when people would say, like, oh, I can't do anything, or, or I'm disabled, or I don't have skills or any abilities. Kevin had cerebral palsy. He's in a chair. Have you talked to him? His accent is so thick. Like with you guys in the room, like I would just strain just to try to understand him. But he never wanted to use his keyboard to type out the words. You know why? Because he can talk. So we'll just be patient and we'll wait for you to understand what he's saying. I loved it. I remember he got in a, a, well, he dove into an argument on Facebook. This was a long time ago. And someone was complaining about how they're 100% disabled and they can't do anything and woe is me. And he's like, he chimes in there and he's like, hey man, uh, we can all do something. Uh, We can all all work somewhere. And this guy's like, no, you don't understand. (laughs) And I was like, oh, you better look at his profile picture. Stop. (laughs) Stop talking. Look up his profile picture. Because we all have a work to do, amen? Jesus had a will to obey God's will to obey. John chapter four verse thirty-four. My food is to do the will of the the will of Him who sent me to accomplish His work. What can you do? Be obedient to the Word of God and take responsibility for your choices. It's really not that complicated, man. It's in some kind of crazy math. I'm not asking you to do a Sudoku. I'm just saying, like, read the Bible and do it. It's not complicated. (laughs) sudoku sudoku (laughs) no one else does those in the paper paper comes in the morning you do the sudoku and then you do the uh super quiz all right well we all have our routines okay Jesus had a woman to love. Watch this, because this is going to blow your minds. Ephesians chapter 5. Christ loved the church. He gave his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. What can you do if you have a wife? Lay your life down for her. It's really easy. She's going to serve you and submit to you, and then you're going to lay down your life for her. Kind of an even balance, right? You sacrifice your whole life for her to present her holy and clean back to God, and then she'll submit to you. It's a nice even balance. If you don't have a wife, pray for the wife that you want right now. God has a wife for you, pray for her. If God doesn't have a wife for you, it's fine. Because Christ's wife was the church. So you can love your church. You can protect the widows and the children. You can stand in the gap against sexual immorality. You can stop watching your porn box and recognize that those are moms and daughters. And you could come to church and you could take care of moms and daughters. Imagine that. That's how you can take care of a woman to love. Amen. Amen. To understand the difference is to understand your own depravity and your need for a Savior. That's why I want to make the contrast between Adam, the man of our flesh, and Jesus, the man of the Spirit. Because we can contrast those and recognize the depravity in our own hearts so we can recognize our need for a Savior. Now, women... You know from going to women's events and the retreats, you're not off the hook on any of this. You have a calling, you have a responsibility, and you have a work to do. You may not have it memorized like all the men do. (laughs) But we all have areas we can grow, okay? You cannot fulfill any of your responsibilities as a human without the Holy Spirit inside of you. It's important to recognize. If you're just grinding and trying to just do this life and and just uh, honor God, but you don't have the Holy Spirit inside of you, you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ, then you're not going to be able to be successful. Shoot, you're barely going to make the cut if you do have it. It'll take you your whole life. But you're never going to make it if you don't have the Holy Spirit inside of you. John chapter 15, verse 5 says... Uh, Jesus said this. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me um, and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. In Luke chapter 18, verse 27, Jesus said, The things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Both Adam and Jesus committed to a single act whose influence extended to all people that they represent. The juxtaposition of the two decisions create the foundation for the gospel. And that's the point. How these two interact... Did I lose it? That's okay. I'll talk loud. How these two interact with each other shows you what the gospel is. That Jesus Christ came to save sinners. You are the sinner. Jesus Christ is the Savior. Amen? Amen. If I do both of these, are they going to echo? Are we Are going to fall through some vortex? All right, Let's turn this one off <clears throat> so <people> <laughs> but it won't be recorded right. Hello, which one? Hello <laughs> something good something really good's coming, so just like Hello All right, should I turn this off or all right, I'll turn this one off. Now, okay. <laughs> Pastor Matt always says that he doesn't want to miss church because then something great's gonna happen. People gonna be like, "Oh, I wasn't there." So you guys are all sitting here, and somebody's sitting at home cozy because they didn't want to drive in the dark, yeah. and they're just gonna plain miss it. Yeah. And you guys on, you guys on Sunday gonna be like, "Man, that sermon on Wednesday was fire," and they're gonna be like, "Oh man, it cut out like right in the middle of it." And you're going to be like, should have been there. can still hear you on my Can they? Now, but they missed that really important thing I just said that they're never going to hear again. You should have been here. All right. Next thing, death versus life. Romans chapter 5, verse 17 says... For it is by one man's offense, death reigned through the one. Much more, uh, much more, for, for, see, you know, I was going to do it in the New Living Translation because it reads so much easier, but like, this is the one Jesus read, so I had to do it in the, (laughs) in the New King James. It's not my rule. I got to do it. Okay. For if if by one man's offense uh, reigned through, So by one man's offense, death reigned through the one. Much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. So because you had death because of Adam, how much more so will you receive abundant grace and the gift of righteousness because of Jesus Christ? Amen? Adam brought death. Adam's sin was an offense to God and condemned mankind to death. Our sin is also an offense to God, and the wages of sin is death. That means you earned it. You earned your you earned a wage. You worked hard at it. And you got your death paycheck because of it. <clears throat> death paycheck. <laughs> Sometimes it seems that way, doesn't it? No, I'm just kidding. Love your job. You have a work to do, remember? Jesus brings life because of God's grace through Jesus Christ. We can have life everlasting in him. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 20 through 22. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. Now, Without hearing the message of the gospel, gospel, do people even know that they're dead? No. Think about it, right? So I like zombie movies. I like zombies. I like zombie movies. I know that's kind of like early 2010s. We don't really do zombies anymore. We're over it. What are we into now? COVID. <laughs> we, did, we did vampires for a while. Then it was zombies for a while. And then now it's COVID, I think. That's, the movies this, in the future will be about COVID. But I like zombie movies, and I like zombies, but I don't like the gore part of it. So that's the weird thing. So you say, like, oh, you like zombies, and people want to buy you, like, zombie souvenirs, and it's some mug with, like, blood splattered all over it. And I'm like, I think you missed it. Like, I like zombies as a metaphor. I like the zombies as a metaphor for life and death, not because I like gory stuff. But there's a couple of key concepts that come out of these zombie movies that I think are important. So not every zombie movie is made the same. And there's there's zombie movies that are just kind of supposed to be like gory and like ooh horror movies, but I don't like those kind of movies. I like the ones where uh, the, the zombies aren't villains, they're victims. Have you seen this? The first season of The Walking Dead, did you ever see this, the first season of The Walking Dead? Remember, and you may not have noticed this because you might not have been looking for it, but I was looking for it. So... Rick went by that zombie in the park and then he did his thing and they did whatever and he found out, oh, there's a bunch of dead people and oh, it's scary and stuff like that. And then he went back and he put that one out of its misery because he felt compassion for it because it was a zombie. So many zombie movies look at the zombie as the villain, as the enemy, as the thing to be fought against. And some look at the zombie as a victim of a plague. Just a victim of what was going on in the world. Not the enemy, just a victim. I like that. It shows compassion for them in their hard situation. Some show that they aren't the enemy, there are friends and loved ones who need help and a cure. Remember in season two when Herschel was keeping all those walkers in the barn? And finally, like after the midwinter break, like the barn opens up and there's like all his friends and neighbors in there? Because he cared for them. Because even though they were sick and they were trying to kill people, he still loved them because they were his friends and neighbors. Don't get lost. I'm trying to make a point. <laughs> I'm really trying to circle around. Have you seen Maggie with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Abigail Breslin? No. Am I? Yeah. Yeah. Right. So it's his daughter and she's got the necroambulus, the walking dead. It's good. It's a good one. It's slow paced, but you'll like it. But it's his family. That's the whole point that he's trying to take care of his family, even though she's turned into a zombie and starting to try to bite people. <laughs> Sometimes I think I look at all these zombies, even when they're all hoarding up and like gnashing of teeth and all these kind of things, that they just don't, don't understand the harm that they're causing because they don't know that they're dead. It's just their nature. They've lost their humanity. Hurting people hurt people. Sometimes when people are being, like, real awful to each other, I just think, like, how, mad, how bad must they be hurting that they're just lashing out at some perfect stranger on the freeway or in the parking lot or in the store? You see some of these, I mean, don't go on YouTube. It's an endless pit of awfulness of people treating people horrible. But I watch it, and it for hours. <laughs> And so, yeah, like I get mad at people, too, that are being mean to other people. But I just think about like how bad are they hurting inside that they're just being completely awful to perfect strangers. And I think of that in the metaphor of the saved versus the unsaved, the spiritually dead versus the alive. If someone does not know Christ and they do not know the gospel, do they know that they're dead? And if they don't know that they're dead, should you really get mad at them trying to take a bite out of you or should you have a sense of compassion for them and bring them to cure, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You see more bodies, right? The cure is love, no. Yeah. It's a zomcom, not a romcom, com <laughs> Some people are more culturally, you know, educated than other people. <laughs> I'm just saying. Here's another thing. So one thing that bugs me, really bugs me, is when people are quick to point out the failures of other people. And mostly it's to distract from their own failures. And so I know we've all been watching the news and we've been watching media and all these talking heads. And you've, you've noticed, just like I've noticed, that everybody's lead story is saying, look how bad what they did was. Not let me help you understand what I tried to do. Or the mistake I made. But look how bad what they are doing is. Right? Everybody's doing that. They're doing it to each other. And it drives me crazy. The other thing that drives me crazy is when people assign motives to other people. So you did this so that, just because you're an awful person. Well, that's because you must be a part of this group in your identity politics. So we're just going to assign your motives. So when you do something, right or wrong, you want people to judge you on your intentions. Right. When they do something right or wrong, you're going to assign their motives and judge them to right. They must have done that because they're mean or they hate you or whatever the case may be. I don't want to get too political, but you can do it from both sides, right? right. We, we've seen it, so it drives me crazy. But think about, and we think about the terms of the zombies and those alive and those who are dead. We all used to be them once, right? right? We all used to be walking around in this world not knowing how dead we were, taking swipes out of people, right? And now we're alive in Christ. So we should have a level of compassion for people in their brokenness because that was once us too in our brokenness doing things that we now regret. Romans chapter 5 verses 8 through 11. But God demonstrates his own love towards us that in while we were still sinners, Christ died for us much more having now been justified by his blood we shall be saved from the wrath through him for if we were uh, for if when we were enemies we were reconciled to god through the death of his son much more having been reconciled shall we be saved by his life And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through the Lord Jesus Christ through whom we now have received the reconciliation. While we were still enemies of God, he sent Jesus to die for us so that we could have salvation for reconciliation. So how much more, given the example of Jesus Christ, should we not do what we can to reconcile with with other people, especially those inside the church? But think about it, even those outside the church, because imagine that your love that you show them and the reconciliation that you're seeking with them could cause them to say, what is different about you than is about them and draw them into life of Christ. I've never seen or I've never heard the story of somebody saying, "Yeah, my family uh, got really mad at me, and they yelled at me and told me they never wanted to see them again." And then, uh, then I so I decided to go to their church, and then I got saved. But man, there's a lot of stories where people were awful to other people, and the other person loved them anyway, and sought them out anyway, and brought them to church anyway, and then they got saved. And it's, it's interesting too, it almost seems like the amount of hate that you endure through to, co- to bring somebody to Christ may almost make, uh, I, I don't know, their transformation. It seems like when somebody, it's almost like Paul, like the Apostle Paul was really, really awful to Christians. And he like, he, he would kill Christians and do all these awful things. And then when he gets saved, he like swings from being super bad to like super, super good over here. And sometimes it seems like those people who have the roughest past and have been through the hardest things can turn around and be the most faithful and devoted Christians you've ever seen. So we can't give up on people just because they don't know that they're dead. While you were still a glassy-eyed, flesh-eating zombie, Christ died to bring you life. (laughs) Thanks, Jesus. I think you should humble yourself and remember what you have been saved from. Before you contend the dead man sitting next to you. It would be arrogance to believe that you are alive on your own accord. If ever you lose sight and lose humility in the fact that Christ has saved you from something, you are way off base. And you need to get your head back in the Bible. Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 11 through 13 says this. Therefore remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, that at, a, at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ Jesus. We were all them one time. And if you're not them now, be thankful to Jesus. Amen? If you're still them, you have an opportunity in about eight minutes to give your life to Jesus Christ. (laughs) So get ready. Let's talk about disobedience versus obedience. This is application time. So as you go through a sermon, you've probably noticed a trend. You start out with some information. Sometimes you have a little bit of levity in a sermon example. But then at some point towards the end, it's time for you to start applying this stuff to your life. And this is application. Disobedience versus obedience. Romans chapter 5 verse 19. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many were will be made righteous. It's time to stop blaming Adam or anyone else for your disobedience and your sinful acts. You have God's word. You know the truth. So you have to stop being passive. It's hard to stop being passive. Uh, Passivity in life in general, especially because we can become so comfortable with all the stuff that we have. It makes it really easy. And and um, I have uh, reminders on my phone. So I set a reminder at 1040 so that it goes off and it, it reminds me to pray for missionaries because, you know, the 1040 window and they're, you know, dangerous place to serve for Jesus Christ. So I'm like, 1040, boom, pray for missionaries. And then um, sometimes your phone will have to do like an update or something. And so the app just won't work. And then I'll notice like, Two or three weeks later, boy, I haven't prayed for the missionaries because my thing's not going off at 1040, every, reminding me. And so then I have to, you know, start it over and remind it. So, you know, we, we have our Bible reading plans and we have all this other stuff, but without those little dings and buzzes to remind you what you're doing, are you remembering to be active in your faith? I've been trying to run all year. I've been trying to run 1,000 miles, doing good. I'm on pace. But the only way I was going to get this thing done is to put it into my calendar how many miles I needed to run per day. Otherwise, I'd just look up and it'd be a month later and I hadn't done it. And then I'd never be able to catch up. So my point is that you have to be active in your relationship with the Lord so that you're praying and that you're coming to church and showing up on time and reading your Bible and fellowshipping with other believers. If you're being passive about those things, they're going to slide away and you're never going to do them. You have to be active and plan for this and make it purposeful, amen. You just got red pilled tonight. Do you know understand that reference? I love it. I look for. I've been looking for places to put it in there, like you, like the Matrix, right? Because Neo was getting the chance to take the red pill, the blue pill. Am I just going to? Is are we just losing track because of the movie references? So the red pill gives Neo the chance to see what's real, and everything is like really dreary, but it's real life versus the blue pill, which puts them back in the Matrix where everything's like hunky-dory and beautiful, like the advertisements we see on TV. So, you <laughs> is right? Because if you watch advertisements or sitcoms, you'd be like, hey, how come my life isn't like their lives? Because that's not real. It's not real. Everything you just saw is not real. So, you know the truth now. I'm telling you the truth of what the Bible says, so you've been red-pilled, you know the truth now, and there's no going back. You can't not know the truth now. Welcome to Wednesday night service. Matthew chapter 25 verse 29 in the New Living Translation says this. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. And to they that have an abundance. And they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Cautionary tale. If you do nothing with what you have, you're going to have nothing in your faith. Amen. Piano? No, no piano. Is everything failed? Yes. So distracting. <laughs> Should I have somebody hum? <laughs> I'm trying to like bring some sense of like spirituality, spirituality and emphasis, the word's but the word's enough. Salvation has come through faith in Jesus Christ. He's the only way to heaven. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, 5, and 8 says, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love, and which, lo- which he loved us, even when we we're dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that is not of yourself, it's a gift of God. Salvation comes by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. You should have that phrase memorized by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. You may have been born into a legacy of sin and death, but Jesus has come, and through him you can have eternal life. Amen? Amen. Think about this. Peter was asked this, watch. Now when they heard this, this, is my last scripture, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For this promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord God will call. Let's bow our heads. Now is your opportunity to give your life to Jesus Christ. The reality is, this: you've been, if you've been coming to this church for a while, you've heard the truth again and again. You know what the gospel is. Jesus Christ came to see sinners. You're a sinner. You need a Savior. Jesus Christ is that Savior. He's the only way to heaven. For you to get this, you need to repent of your sins. You need to accept that He is the Savior, and you need to turn from your ways and give your life to Jesus Christ. So if that's you tonight, and you want to do that, I want to give you the opportunity. So if that's you, why don't you just raise your hand and let me know that you want to give your life to Jesus Christ tonight. Full on accept the truth. Now for the rest of us in here, either you are dead and you don't know that you uh, you aren't saved or you're alive and you are saved. Either way, your life needs to change because of what you heard tonight. And that's my prayer. Let's pray. Lord God, we love you so much. Thank you, Lord God, for this opportunity to just speak your word. Lord God, I pray I didn't get in the way of it. Lord Jesus, we love you. We know you're our only hope. And we give you Uh, everything we have and we give you all the glory in your holy name amen amen go get your kids your kids love you and they miss you hey we want to thank you so much for being online with us today i want to remind you if you're not a follower on facebook please like our page on youtube please subscribe follow us on twitter tell all your friends continue to watch online we thank you for watching we love you so much have a great day